Good morning. It's good to see all of you and good to have you with us. Our lesson for today is kind of one of those lessons that we kind of base on the, the days of the year. This is one that is based on Father's Day. I wanted to do something that would make us think of, of what a good father is. Not just a good father, but a good man in general. The lesson's title is, Wanted a Real Man. And when we look at a real man from a society point of view, the way that society would define a real man, I think would be strong and tough. Able and willing to defend himself or others at any cost. Tall, well-built, good-looking. Perfect hair, face, eyes, teeth, whatever you might think of. But that would be a definition of a real man. And I would get that from just look at TV, look at the commercials that we watch and, and television shows that we see and, and things of that nature. I think those are some of the ways that society would define a man. I, I got an idea as I was studying for this lesson to do a, a little polling. And uh, so I, I took an envelope and some cards to... Uh, the Christian school and as you know I work with basically all women with the exception of the maintenance staff and so uh, I thought well that would be a perfect place to get a definition of a real man and so I left these cards out and and let them fill out uh, a word or two or, or maybe a description of what they think a real man is and this is what women say a real man is these are some of the qualities that they gave trustworthy Kind and caring. Lehman Barkley, which was the husband of one of our teachers. That's what she put on her list. And, and some of the qualities that, that she gave. Puts God first. Above all, family and others. Second. Takes very good care of the family. Leads them in the right direction. That would define a real man. And I got some funny ones too. I got, got a good looking. And, and uh, Robert Redford I think was one of them. And, and several others. But those were some of the answers that they gave. And, and the most common was that they put God first. That's a real man. And I would agree. How would God define a real man? If we are looking to be real men, how does God define a real man? How can we find out what God wants us to be? The answer is through His Word, the Bible. God's definition of a real man can be found in inspired descriptions and the examples of those we might refer to as godly men. So this lesson today hopefully answers the question, how does God define a real man? Let's begin with God's definition. Going back to our scripture reading for today, Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31. In Genesis 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man. 
in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Having given dominion over all things previously created, this is said in verse 31, Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very Good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Man is created in God's image. In spirit, not physical. We find out in John chapter 4 that God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I'm not talking about hands and feet, and the image that we think of, the physical image. God is spirit. We are created in His spiritual image. And we are given dominion over every creature and the earth. Just as God dominion has dominion over all, we are given dominion over the things on the earth. And one of the most intriguing things to me is in verse 31, when God sees everything that He has made, He saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. This morning we talked a little bit about the flesh in our lesson. And we talked about how sometimes the desires of the flesh overcome us. We allow them to overcome us. We do those things that are wrong. We are sinful creatures. But when God created man, when He saw what He had created, He saw that it was good. Now we read a little bit later on as we get into Genesis chapter 6 that, that man had become corrupt and, and that God regretted, He repented that He had made man. What God created was very good. Any corruption that comes is because of the choices that we make. The choices that man has made. But not because God created us that way. He created us very good. Man is to do God's will. All of God's commandments can be summed up in these. Matthew 22, beginning with verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. A godly man will do them and teach his household to do them also. 
In marriage, we're told that a man is the head of his home. One of the, the best passages uh, as far as the definition of marriage that I could find would be in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by, word, by the Word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. A lot of people look at the first verse of that passage and, and dismiss it altogether. But it's very telling. Wives, submit to your own husbands. But husbands are given instruction. As a matter of fact, I think husbands are given more instruction here than the wives are. Husbands, love your wives. Not just love them, but love them as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. Given great responsibility in His home, the man is also to be loving, kind, and protective of his wife. Basically, he is to be the man his wife wants to love, respect, and submit to. Husband has great responsibility in his home as far as marriage is concerned. We also read of the instructions that are given to fathers. In the very next chapter of Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And in verse 4, says, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
and also giving encouragement through the Scripture. Proverbs 20 and verse 7 says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. We live in such a way as to be blessed. And our children will be blessed after us. I should encourage us to do God's will. But we're not only given definition in these scriptures. We're given definition in another way as well. By the examples of what I would refer to as real men. We have real men that are are shown to us through the pages of the Scripture. Men that we can pattern our lives after and learn from. Let's begin with the example of Abraham. Abraham was given a promise by God that he would be the father of many nations. We go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and we, we read a reference to this promise here. Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That promise was not only given to Abram at that time. That that his descendants would benefit from this blessing. But it also comes into today's time as well. If we are faithful, as Abraham was, to God, then we are children of Abraham as well. And we too are blessed even today. God saw Abraham as a real man. Therefore, He gave him the promise. He saw him as a real man able to accomplish the task that was before him. But why? What was it about Abraham that made him a real man? Was it his good looks? Was it his great strength? Or great stature? From what I understand from the Scriptures... Abraham was what we might refer to as ordinary. Uh, Physically speaking, there wasn't that much special about him. As a matter of fact, he was 75 when, when this promise was given to him. He wasn't a young man either. But he was able to do what God wanted him to do. Abraham proved to be a faithful man of God. He left his home and family in Haran, putting full trust in God to guide him wherever he may wish. 
He trusted God to provide him a son and was willing to sacrifice him when God asked him to. Until his death, his faith was always in God. Physically speaking, I don't believe there's anything special about Abraham. But it was the will that was in him. It was his faith that God saw. That's what made him a real man. Let's look at Joshua. When spying out the land of Canaan, he and Caleb alone agreed that the land could be conquered with the help of God. Whenever I look at that lesson, I, I, I remember that but these two, they looked with different binoculars, if you will. Different eyeglasses. They saw things from a different point of view than any of the other spies. The spies that were with them, they looked at the land. They said, well, the land looks great, but the people are too big. We cannot conquer. They saw that land and that people, the eyes of flesh. They saw their weakness in reference to the strength of the people. But when Joshua and Caleb saw the land, they saw through the eyes of faith. When they looked at those people and they looked at that land, they saw what God was able to do. And they said, we can conquer the land. No one else believed them. They believed in God. Joshua led the people across the Jordan River and conquering the great city of Jericho and, and many other things as well. And when it came time to stand for God, Joshua was willing to do so. Notice what is said in the, the last chapter of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see that Joshua was the leader of his home. And he had already decided for his family, as for him and his family, we will serve the Lord. See, as for his family, there was no decision that had to be made because the decision had already been made. Kirk mentioned the Super Bowl. I heard a little bit of it as I was walking to my office and coming back. But he mentioned it a lot of times. And ever since I can remember, too, within the church, we always had people that will miss services. 
They will make a decision to watch the game instead of, of coming to evening services. And that's a decision for them to make. And, and maybe it's not for me to judge in that, that area. But I will tell you, as for me and my house, the decision's already been made. Even if it's the Seedlers playing in the Super Bowl, the decision has been made. We'll serve the Lord. We may sit back here and watch the game on our phones afterwards, but we will be here and we will serve the Lord. Joshua was a real man. And one to be respected and one to be admired for his faith and courage. And one to be imitated as far as his service to God. Jesus was a real man. Not because of his wealth or material possessions. Not because of his influence or status in society. But Jesus was a real man. He was a real man first and foremost because he served God. In praying to his father in Mark 14 and verse 36, And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Cup of death. The, the crucifixion that he was going to suffer. All that pain and anguish. His father had the ability to take it away. But he said this, Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. He did his Father's will. Did he want to go to the cross? No. He even asked if there was some other way. But he did it because he was doing the will of his Father. He set the perfect example for us to live by. Hebrews 4 and verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He did not sin. He was tempted in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, just as we are, and yet he was without sin. He was the perfect example for us to follow. And finally, he was willing to die for others. That made him a real man. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans 5 and verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet... Perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He was willing to die for you. Someone who tries to save someone else. Someone who risks his life and even gives his life is considered a real man, right? That's what Jesus did. 
And again, we don't read anything special about his physical appearance. As a matter of fact, he came in a very humble way. And I think back to his crucifixion, I remember that, that Judas had to point him out. He had to have a sign, a, the, the kiss. That was a sign that this was Jesus. This was the one who you want to crucify. This is the one who you want to take. Judas may not have known what they were going to do, but he knew what he was doing in betraying him. He had to point him out because he looked like everyone else. Is that the way I see it? Jesus was a real man. Maybe not by society's definition. But in terms, terms of what we read in Scripture, God considered him to be a real man. And through the cross, through his death on the cross, he offers salvation to all who will obey. Romans chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, continuing the thought that we just left. Romans 5, verse 9 says, Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Only way that we are reconciled to God is through the blood of Christ, through His sacrifice on our behalf. Are you a real man if you are a man? Are we real people of God? Are we what God wants us to be? Are you a Christian? Are you reconciled to God through the blood of Christ? Have you been obedient to the plan of salvation? Repentance, confession, baptism for the remission of sins. Have you done those things? Are you a Christian? Maybe you have, but you've not remained faithful. You've strayed away at some point in your life. And you'd like to come back. If you need prayers from the church or forgiveness for something that you've done, if you need help, we stand ready to assist you. We'll come as together we stand and as we sing.